AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. USDA is out with details of the emergency relief program payments for 2022 losses, and it added a layer of complexity that has some wondering if it's even legal to do what they plan to do. We'll learn about a new way to evaluate performance of feeder cattle, and it's time to hop on the bus for another Farm Journal College Roadshow. Live from the yonder side of the hump via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, we begin with a conversation with Dean Hal De La Rosby from University of Minnesota. Then it's Paul Niefer from Clifton Larson Allen, and directly following the news, Greg Henderson from Drovers. I'm a handsome newsman, Davis Michelson, and now the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Laurie. All right, Davis, thank you so much. Yeah, we're heading up for the Twin Cities today. And the mm-hmm. University of Minnesota for the Farm Journal College Roadshow. As we speak, as we speak, Tyne Morgan, the host of U.S. Farm Report, is hosting and uh, taping a panel discussion about what's going on at the University of Minnesota, what's going on in the grain markets, uh, mm-hmm. the livestock trade, and so on. And it will be on with a couple of other very interesting stories uh, it will be on U.S. Farm Report this weekend. Did you know that the University of Minnesota had created the Honeycrisp apple? Is that right? It took a long time. Uh-huh. An unbelievably long period of time mm-hmm. to make it happen. Uh, but uh, now, I'm sorry, Honeycrisp. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of my top three that I go for. I like oh. the Fiji's. I like the mm-hmm. uh, uh, the uh, uh, the uh, geez, I can't think of it right now. But mm. there are several apples that I do enjoy. But I think the Honeycrisp is right there at the top of the list, dude. That's your favorite. That's your favorite. Yeah. Well, only God can make a tree, but apparently we can make apples. Yeah, that's that's right. Apparently. That's right. Uh, looking forward to the conversation with Greg coming up here in just a moment. And then Niefer is going to be in here. I, yeah. I'm Between reading what Niefer is saying about the ERP track one and two payments on 22 crop, not phase one and two now, track one and two, and what Wiesmeyer has written for ProFarmer.com this morning, <laughs> Yeah, it, I'm just, my head is spinning trying to figure out exactly what's going on here. Hopefully, Nefer will be able to give us some clarity. Let's get to the news. What do you got, buddy? Sure thing. Well, let's start with the National Weather Service weather outlook. Again, record cold sub-freezing temperatures this morning across much of the south before a gradual warm-up by this weekend. A wet weather pattern is in place across the Pacific Northwest as several rounds of moderate to locally heavy rain impact the PNW. Yeah, it's warming up here, man. We're going to see. I think it's going to be a nice weekend. Yeah, same Up here. into the 60s with a little bit of sun, so I'm looking forward to it. Yep. Well, Chip, dozens of U.S. ag industry representatives have gathered in Beijing to meet Chinese counterparts amid growing U.S. efforts to bolster trade between the two countries. A delegation from 11 groups, including the U.S. Soybean Export Council, 
U.S. Grains Council and U.S. Wheat Associates is visiting one week after Chinese grain buyers signed non-binding agreements to buy billion, billions of dollars worth of commodities, mostly beans. The first such signing since 2017. A little goodwill over there. And I, I don't know if this is true or not. Can neither confirm nor deny. I think our own April, her Royal Hemis is over there among this delegation. Have you heard I, this? That, that makes sense to me. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, the Buy America Tour is evidently back. And yeah, man. Jim kind of blew it off last Friday on the free-for-all and said, eh, it's, you know, it, it, it's a symbol. But, you know, there's it's had an impact in the past. So I'm, I'm well, yeah, it, it, it's good. Well, President Biden and cabinet members barnstormed the heartland this week for the rural vote. While reporters questioned Biden's announced $5 billion in new rural investment, Biden says Bidenomics is working and announced on a farm in Northfield, Minnesota, $5 billion in claimed new rural investments to make the point. But reporters just a day earlier pressed Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack on whether or not the $5 billion was really all new money or some previously announced. Secretary Vilsack had this to say. $1.7 billion uh, is new money. Uh, which comes from the Inflation Reduction Act. It is not part of the $3.1 billion that's uh, appropriated for climate smart agriculture. That's in a, that's a, a separate uh, a level of investment. Not a huge story here, Chip, but it all feels very Biden economical. Well, the Biden economics is throw as much money at an issue as you possibly can. That's so right. this seems to be right in line with Biden. In, how do you say it? Bidenomics? Bidenomics, yes. Yeah, okay. Well, senators from both parties are looking to pass a comprehensive bill that addresses President Biden's foreign aid requests along with border measures. While House Republican leaders are considering passing Israel aid separately, they have not ruled out the possibility of including it in a combined Ukraine border bill. So funding for Ukraine, Israel, and the border possibly going to get all bundled up here together, Chip. No, I, I don't see any way that that's going to get through the House. Well, the IRS has unveiled new contribution limits for retirement accounts in 2024, granting retirement savers the opportunity to set aside more money. Specifically, the employee contribution limit for 401k plans will rise to 23000 in 2024. The annual contribution limit for IRAs will be 7024 That's a, a, an increase from 6500 in 2023. And catch-up contributions for IRAs will continue to be capped at $1,000. And finally, Chip, Russia seems to be scaling back its commitment to support oil prices through supply cuts alongside its OPEC Plus partner, Saudi Arabia. Despite reaffirming their cooperation, Russian crude exports are on the rise, Chip. They got to fund that war somehow, Dave. That they do. Yes, they do. All right. Thank you very much. Let's bring in Greg Henderson, editor of Drovers. How you doing, Greg? Good morning, Chip. I'm well. Thank you. Uh, all right. Let's jump right into this. This is very interesting to me. A new way to evaluate potential performance of feeder cattle. Yes, there's a task force that's having their first meeting today in Denver to reimagine how we value or price feeder cattle. Um, there's 32 participants, cow-calf producers, feedlot operators, uh, and, and it's all put together by 12 breed associations that are basically uh, – you know, everybody except Angus, okay? So okay. Angus has not joined on yet. That's not saying they they won't. But these breed associations, uh, they want feeder cattle producers or cow-calf producers to have 
better tools to market the genetics of their feeder cattle. So we know that one third of growth, efficiency, and carcass results are through genetics. And we know that through preconditioning and pre-weaning programs, there the producers can capture value for cattle for their health and weaning, but they're not selling their genetics. So basically what we're looking at is trying to determine tools for cow-calf producers to use genetics, not when they buy bulls necessarily, but when they market their calves. Okay. It's interesting. I mean, what what you're talking about is showing the reputation of the cattle rather than building the reputation of the cattle because that's the way yeah that's the way that you top the market at the sale barn with the feeder calves is if you had calves with a reputation you could top the market absolutely so we know there's black hide premiums now and that doesn't necessarily mean those genetics are there it but it is a good indication we're now wanting to use genetics to prove genetics right right Man, this is going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. Great. Keep us up to... to we'll uh, have more on this, Chip. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. That's Greg Henderson, editor at Drovers. We're going road showing next up to the University of Minnesota. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. AgriTalk is brought to you by Bex. Bex Hybrids is with you every turn because both on and off the field, we're all farmers at heart. See why at BexHybrids.com. Welcome back to AgriTalk, Farm Journal and U.S. Farm Report. Do the Farm Journal College Roadshow each fall. Go to the land-grant universities and visit with the College of Ag and... Uh, Highlight what is going on there. We're going to do that right now. We've got Dr. Hal Delarospi. He is the Assistant Dean for Student Services and International Programs for the College of Food, Agriculture, and Natural Resource Sciences there at the University of Minnesota. Dr. Delarospi, thank you so much for making time for us. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, and good morning to all of our listeners out there. Yeah, fantastic. How are things up in the cities this morning? You know, as we've expected in Minnesota, it's a little bit colder than we typically are this time of year. I had to uh, teach my children the fine art of wearing the Halloween costume over their winter jackets this time. But it's it's a Minnesota tradition. We all go through it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Good stuff. Good stuff. So tell me about the College of Food, Ag, and Natural Resource Sciences. What makes you excited about the opportunities that 
you help bring to students? Yeah, you know, most of us know us as the large flagship University of Minnesota Twin Cities, and we're a large institution. But amidst that, our college is a nice size, small college that is leading the way in terms of research and teaching for our future farmers, our future business people in the agricultural field, and all sorts of uh, different future career opportunities. When you look at the University of Minnesota Twin Cities, oftentimes you don't see uh, the St. Paul campus where we're located. Um, you'll see buses all day long going to and from. We're 15 minutes away from the main campus, but we're in a different setting over in St. Paul where we have our research fields, our barns. It's just a little bit more of a serene setting. So we get the benefit of a research one large institution, but still have that opportunity to uh, be in community on the St. Paul campus and learn and grow together with all of our fine facilities. Yeah. The research fields and the livestock operations that you've got there. Uh, tell me a little bit more about that and and what students uh, have an opportunity to utilize the research farms and the and the and the barns in uh, in their education. Yeah, so um, we we also have across the state our research and outreach centers, but mostly for our undergraduate students in and around the campus, we have a variety of different facilities. You've mentioned a couple, but we also have our soil research and our greenhouses. We have our raptor center that's rehabilitating birds of prey. We have our bee lab. We have all sorts of things that are happening here. Uh, last year, we had over $95 million in sponsored projects that are there. And so we have a number of faculty that are doing great things. But as you mentioned, our students get involved in the process as well. Yeah. And they get to be a part of this at the undergraduate level, in addition to the graduate level. In fact, one of the pro programs we have is I get to work with about 10 to 12 first-year students each year mm -hmm. where they're doing undergraduate research for a scholarship in their freshman year. So they don't have to wait until they're a graduate student. They don't have to wait until they're a junior and senior. They can start working on research as soon as they get to campus. That's fantastic. And it's it that, it, as I understand it, that is both in, say, agronomy services and in animal science, correct? Yes, that's correct. And, yeah. you know, what, what I start with with those students is finding out where their passion is and then directing them to the faculty that connect with their interest area. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the ability of, well, the opportunity to be part of a large university, but yet a relatively, you know, right-sized college in there, it, it gives you it gives you a chance to kind of personalize the education that you want when you go through the College of Ag, doesn't it? Yeah, and I've I've had students who are interested in soil. I have students who are interested in livestock, you know, all of these different areas. And, you know, we, we have people that are also connected to some of the, you know, major corporations in the area. We have yeah. students going to Cargill and General Mills and Ecolab. But we also have students for whom, you know, they're the next generation on the family farm right. and they know that's where they want to go, but they want to come to campus and their family wants them to come to campus to learn what's the next level of technology. How can we be more efficient? How can we be more cost effective so that we can keep that farm going? So sometimes we will see students from 
greater Minnesota, nearby states that come to us for four years, and then they go back home and continue on those traditions. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned the technology there. As I've been talking with reps from ag colleges at the land-grant universities, I I think a theme has clearly developed. Um, Ag colleges are working hard to make sure that they – that that their teaching and their coursework is keeping up with the technology that farmers are quickly adopting on farms. It's a challenge, but it's got to be a really exciting time for the ag colleges and an opportunity to, uh, to update, right? Yeah, and it's what we've been doing since we've started. The University of Minnesota is older than the state of Minnesota, and we've had agriculture from the beginning, and our whole design was to help farmers to help agriculture. And that's something we still do today is what's what's the next step? What's the next piece of information? And it's a two-way street too, because we will have, you know, our farmers, our people in the egg industry that will make suggestions that will help us to think of those questions and lead to the research. So it's not all about us creating things and sending it out to farmers, which we do, but it's also getting the input from those that are out there doing the hard work and they come up with the ideas and then we try and research them to see if we can put those into practice. See, boy, talk about an interactive opportunity. And, and one of those reasons why as an undergraduate student, uh, the, the ability to learn the latest and the greatest uh, uh, technology that's, that's being put put to work out there in the field is being taught in the classroom as well. I think it's it's really really cool, very cool. Okay, Dr. Della Rospi, if if a student is looking for an education in agriculture, what do you want that student to know about the University of Minnesota? Yeah, I, I think what's really important about to know about our programs and you mentioned you know in the classroom and that is part of what we do we are a university but we are a very hands-on experiential place and in fact we include your experiential learning for all of our students before they graduate that could be internships that could be the research that we talked about but it's also in our day-to-day activities you know i mentioned before and you had mentioned as well you know we have the the barns and the fields and the trees our students are getting outside as much as possible to experience those areas so we are a place where um, we want people to learn but we also want people to do and experience so those things are going to be combined as part of the educational opportunity that we offer that's very cool what's got you excited about the faculty in the college of ag at minnesota yeah, and, um, you know, sometimes students will come to mind with this idea that um, uh, what a professor might look like or how they might dress or other pieces. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, you might think of an individual perhaps in a suit and tie or something like that. But frequently, obviously, our faculty are walking around in boots and jeans and warm coats because they are also outside and moving around. I think our students find them very relatable, very connected. And, you know, some of our faculty are products of the University of Minnesota themselves. So they know what the experience is to be an undergraduate student. They took advantage of the opportunities that got them to where they are. So they in turn want to be the ones, you know, we have all sorts of faculty that are eager to work with students for research. I I never have a concern finding a faculty mentor for research. And I also want to include our alumni are fantastic as well. We have over 30,000 alums out there. We have an alumni mentor program. And so whatever a student might be thinking in terms of 
career type of work internship, we have an alumni mentor program where we can match you up with somebody who's out there in the field so that you can connect with them while you're a student to know what are those next steps if you want to get to where they're at in their career. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, I, I was talking with Tyne Morgan, the host of U.S. Farm Report, and, of course, the features will be on this weekend. Um, she has been very impressed by the eagerness of the students at the land-grant universities and their willingness and excited their, their excitement to learn. I, I'm sure that you see the same thing up at the University of Minnesota. Yeah, and the types of students we get, no surprise, you know, they've been in FFA, they've been in 4-H, they've been leaders, um, even in, you know, athletics or fine arts or whatever they're doing in school. So we get to see them all come together from all of these different high schools. And it's, it's that combined eagerness where students are like, oh, there's other people that not only enjoy learning, but this type of learning yeah. when it comes to learning about the environment, agriculture and all yeah. that we have to offer. That's fantastic. Dr. Hal Delarosby at the University of Minnesota. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your time. Thank you. All right. That is the Farm Journal College Road Show at the College of Ag at the University of Minnesota. We've got Paul Nieper up next. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Brian, I don't like the way this corn is trading at all. Tell me what's going on. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, Chip, uh, we're about two cents lower here, uh, but everything pretty much tells us it should be higher. Uh, the other markets, soybeans are higher, wheat's higher, uh, the dollar's sharply lower, crude oil's higher. So um, just, uh, you know, can't find a whole lot of buyer interest in here. The weekly export sales, uh, they were so-so at the lower end of the range of expectations and, and uh, just not much excitement in the uh, corn market this morning. Yeah, yeah, we do have some strength in the soy complex. The nearby meal contracts under a little bit of pressure and so is the soybean oil, but uh, bean, bean market is moving to the upside. What's happening? Yeah, uh, so beans, they're, they're trading solidly higher, like you mentioned, but they have backed off their highs. And I think the, the key here is the soy meal, especially the front end of that market, which is weaker. So we'll have to see if uh, if that puts pressure on soybeans as we move through the uh, the trading session here. Weekly export sales above a million tons oh, yeah. again. That's the fourth week in a row. So we're starting to see more consistency there. Okay, very good. Take us over to livestock trade. Uh, that feeder cattle market is on fire. Yeah, and just exploding to the upside. So it's kind of been a laggard in, in the corn markets week, like we mentioned. Uh, and uh, so that, that's giving uh, support there to uh, feeder cattle at mid-morning. Uh, gains in, in live cattle as well, but not nearly to the degree of what we're seeing in the right. feeders. And then the hog market, boy, it, it looked like wow. yesterday they hit a, a patch of late selling. It looked like the thing was over with, but uh, they're bouncing back and they've recouped most of uh, what they lost yesterday here at mid-morning. Yeah, it's very cool to see. Thank you, Brian. Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. 
The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Our name says it all. AgriTalk, what more do you need to know? Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Glad you're with us. It's Thursday already, Davis. Thursday. It's already Thursday. Yes. I'll do you one better. What? It's already November. It's already November. Yeah, yeah. deal with that. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Busy guy right here. Paul Neefer, Farm CPA. Uh, his blogs are available on uh, on agweb.com. And he's been busy lately with the Farm CPA report. Uh, he joins us right now. How you doing, Paul? I'm doing good. I'm in Manhattan, Kansas teaching, but I took a little bit of time off to, to jump on the call with you. Okay, good. I'm glad you could do that because okay usda yesterday released a fact sheet on the emergency relief program for natural disasters that occurred during the 2022 calendar year Uh, but there are some differences between how payments were calculated in 2020 2021 versus how the payments are going to be determined for 2022 crop losses Bottom line this for us, what does it look like? So, and they've actually changed the name, you know, they used to call it phase one and phase two. Now it's track one and track two. And under track one, it's similar to the phase one where they'll look at your crop. If you got an indemnity, you know, you got a crop insurance payment in 2022, they're going to bump it up. So if you, let's say you were at the 70% coverage, they'll bump it up and pretend like you were at 90%. If you're at least 80%, they would bump you up at 95%. So that's that's good. But the issue is, is once you determine that amount, remember under the old ERP phase one, you only received 75% of that bump up, whatever it was. And then you got reimbursed for your crop insurance premiums that you had paid in. And I can't remember the 75% of that, I think it was, or it might've been 100%, doesn't matter. Under this new one, they have what is called progressive factoring. And what that says is for your first $2,000 worth of payments, you're gonna get 100% of that. The next 2,000, you're gonna get 80% and so on, 60, 40, 20. Once you hit $10,000, you're gonna get $6,000 plus 10% in excess of that. And then once you're done applying that, they're then going to discount it by another 25% and only pay you 75%. So it's a dramatic reduction for most 
what I call true farmers out there that are making okay. a living solely from farming that had some type of crop insurance um, situation in 2022. Under the old rules, let's say they had a $100,000 um, loss, so to speak, under phase one. They okay. discounted it by 75%, but then they, so they got $75,000 payment, but then they got, let's say, $25,000 of crop insurance premiums paid back to them. So they received $100,000. Under okay. this scenario, they're likely going to get about $11,000 instead of $100,000. Also, in order to get your premiums reimbursed, which for a lot of farmers, you know, Chip, we know that's 50, 100, $200,000, yeah, whatever yeah, it might be. Now there's an overall limit of 125, but it's a big number. In order for you to get your crop insurance premiums reimbursed, you have to be an underserved farmer. And the definition of an underserved farmer is, you know, it's American Indians, Alaska Natives, Asians, Blacks or African Americans, Native Hawaiians, other Pacific Islanders, Hispanics, and women. So if if you're a white male, you are not going to get any uh, crop insurance premiums reimbursed to you. Um, so that is a materially a huge change from the old ERP. Oh. Now over on track two, or I don't know if you want to ask me some questions on track one. We can talk about track two, but track one's the major one. Yeah, go go ahead. Go down track two. Okay, so on track two, remember you looked at your benchmark revenue for 18 and 19. You're still going to do that. You're going to then look at 2022. Now, the, the positive is that instead of multiplying your benchmark revenue by 70%, you're now going to multiply it by 90%. And there's some changes on how they calculate revenue, which actually could be helpful for most farmers. But once you then determine whether you have a payment, they still apply that same progressive factor and they apply the 75%. Whereas under the old track two, you didn't have the progressive factor and you didn't have the 75%, but you did have the 70%. So both track one and track two, you know, if you were to redo the calculation for 2020 or 2021 and the farmer was going to get, let's say, 70 or $80,000 under track uh, under the 2022, if you are a non-underserved farmer, you're lucky to get ten or fifteen thousand dollars. Right, and the the phase two weren't there some some tax return? Uh, yeah, weren't yeah. tax returns used in determining what that payment was going to be? Is it still the same way? It's approximately the same way. They've expanded it where if you didn't have an operation in 18 or 19, then you use what's called expected revenue. If your, if your um, operation in 2022 was less than it was in 18 or 19, then I think you have to use expected revenue. If your operation went up, then you can sort of use a percentage type thing. So they've made some changes there. And again, for both phase one and phase two, you can qualify for a larger payment if more than 75% of your adjusted gross income off of your tax return is from farming, but they went ahead and reinforced, they put it right in the fact sheet, they reinforced that equipment gains are not farm income unless more than, unless your other farm income is more than two thirds of total farming, of total income or AGI, including your equipment gains, so to speak. So 
for farmers that are trading in farm equipment, they're not going to qualify as a farmer under this definition. Okay. All right. I just got a text from a listener. Wants to know, with what's happening with the ERP, could this somehow, some way impact delivery of crop insurance? Um. Yeah, you know, this was a, you know, this was specially uh, put into funding, uh, you know, under the CAA at the end of December of last year. I, I don't think, well, potentially, you know, we're likely to have a one-year extension on the farm bill. I think we know that. And that gives them an extra year to see how this works. We have heard lots of rumors that this may become a permanent part of the farm bill. So this could be in addition to crop insurance. Uh, so I, I don't know, if, I, I don't think it would affect crop insurance, uh, but as you can see, and, and I just love the fact, uh, Chip, that they use the word progressive. You yeah. know, so <laughs> it, oh, it's it, done it really on should be the word regressive, not progressive. Right, so. right, right. It's done on purpose. You, you know that for a fact. The yeah. underserved, carving yeah. out the underserved farmers, or it might be easier to say, carving out the white male farmers. Yeah. Hasn't that been pushed back for other programs? Well, originally we had the, I think it was the American Rescue Plan back in 2021 that had that provision that if you were an underserved, you know, one of those uh, classes of people other than women, um, unless you were, white women weren't allowed. Um, they right. were going to forgive your loans and pay you an extra 20%. Well, that got eliminated or it got tied up in court and was ruled unconstitutional. So the Inflation Reduction Act passed last year, then put in the provision that if you're discriminated against, you can apply for a grant or a forgiveness, but that maximum was 500000 and there was no extra money attached to it and it was still taxable. So, so yeah, it, it's just, it just is getting messier and messier. And also on track two, if you are an underserved farmer, your, your benefit will then be multiplied by 115%. So uh, it's not that they're, they're, you know, discriminating against, let's say the white male farmer. It's just that everybody else is going to get an extra 15%, so okay. to speak. Okay. Okay. Uh, another. Now, this isn't. This doesn't seem to be what Congress intended. So we'll, we'll see on that. But do you have well, another? Yeah. Another. Text? Okay. I was going to ask that. It. It, uh, it. It seems that somebody's making up new rules, new programs. Yeah, because essentially our understanding was Congress intended uh, ERP for 2022 that worked the same as 2020 yeah. and 21, and obviously we can already tell it doesn't work the same. Okay. We know that. Okay. Another listener. What about PARP? That would be the Pandemic Assistance Revenue Program. You are very good, Chris, or Chip. That's very good. Um, you know, essentially for 2020, they had to get ERP phase two all completely done for 2020 before they could do the final calculations for PARP. Um, you know, essentially they announced that they were distributing 1.17 million or billion 
funds right before September 15th, but as of last week, they'd only distributed 768 million. So there's still about 400 million that hasn't been distributed. I don't know if that's delaying it. Um, you know, I've I've talked to some people, you know, in the Senate and the Ag Ag Committee, and they're wondering the same thing. When is PARP going to be done? And as of yet, you know, nobody knows. So, uh, but it should be before year end. But uh, I I just don't know. Okay. All right. Well, keep writing your updates, Paul. They're very helpful. <laughs> and, and guys, go to Ag Web because he he has specific examples in there and and he continues to update them well actually well. chip on this one this one they need to go to farmcpareport.com i haven't okay. posted this on agweb but i will post something on agweb here in the next day or so so stay fantastic. tuned fantastic thank you paul paul Nee for farm cpa from powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. If the world is your oyster, we've got pearls of wisdom on AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. My head is still kind of spinning after that conversation with Paul Neifer trying okay? to figure out the ERP. No, I'm not. I'm not okay. It'll, it'll take a little time for me to uh, to absorb all of that information. Uh Speaking of absorbing information, we've been getting lots of yield reports in, and that means it is time for Yields in the Fields. Yields in the Fields on AgriTalk is brought to you by MicroEssentials, the super granule that packs balanced nutrition into a single granule for uniform nutrient distribution and season-long sulfur availability. Supercharge your yields with the mighty micro from Mosaic. Chip, this morning our AgriDart lands in Perry County, Illinois, southwestern okay. Illinois, okay. where a grower reports this, quote, Our harvest is complete. Corn yields were a little below average. Soybean yields were average, with double crop beans a little below average. Heat and drought cost us yield, of course. Now there's this, Chip. Yeah. Corn yield loss due to deer is a huge oh. problem. Uh, it also says wheat has been sown for two weeks and, and looks pretty good. Corn yield lost due to deer, Chip. Yeah. Well, Is that, yeah. Would that go under feed and residual then, or how would you? Let's see. No. <laughs> no, that's no. that's uh, field loss right there. Field loss. That okay. is field loss. Now, okay, since you bring it up. I bring it up. Each, each state typically will have a program. I know here in the state of Iowa, 
if you've got damage in your cornfield, you can call your DNR officer, county officer. They will come out and they will establish how much damage was actually caused by deer. Uh, from there, you can initiate kind of a personalized population management program on mm-hmm. your farm. And that that management then crosses the uh, crosses the property line and can also, you know, because the deer don't know where the property line are. Sure. So you can also use those depredation tags uh, that help to depopulate some of the the animals in that herd that are causing the damage on your farm. Mm-hmm. So if you run into that, don't just cuss them. Uh, do something about it. Get the DNR out there. Take a look at how much damage was done and get that personalized population management plan going on your operation. Mm-hmm. Is Now, for I don't know. You're going to have to help me. We were talking uh, about some financial stuff. Is is there insurance available due to deer loss or something like that? Probably not. Well, it'll all come into play in the revenue coverage. Yeah. Okay. Because, you know, we talk about um, – we, we talk about harvested versus unharvested acres. Mm-hmm. Those acres would be considered harvested acres. Okay? okay? Therefore, it does affect yield. So it'd be the total bushels produced on that field mm-hmm. times or divided by the acres to get yield. Uh, it's not like you're going to carve out five acres of an 80 and not harvest it. Therefore, it's not even harvested acres. Mm-hmm. So these are actually harvested acres. They do pull yield down. They do pull yield down. So it could impact your insurance payment, especially if you, like the gentleman in Perry County, uh, Illinois, if he also had some drought stress on top of it and fell short of APH, then you multiply that damage with some deer damage and yeah that'll be reflected in his insurance payment mm-hmm. and another way to deal with it probably would be to go ahead and execute order 870 if i'm not mistaken box of shells you know take take mr remington out with you you're, you're going to the remington 870s that's let's right listen to you that's right I, yeah let's do it all legal Let, let's your, keep it let's above do it board. legal yeah let's let's keep it above board Get a box of slugs going. You know, we'll yep. take care of that. Hey, um, I don't know if this is if this is right or not. I heard the Mississippi River is recovering uh, yeah. to an encouraging degree. Meanwhile, uh, officials at the Panama Canal announced a significant reduction in available slots for ships to transit this winter, cutting them in half, Chip, due to an ongoing and extreme drought. We've talked about this. Uh, the decision allows the driest October on record for the Panama Canal. Uh, as well as prolonged period of elevated temperatures and limited rainfall. What are you hearing on the wow. Mississippi, Chip? Uh, you know, obviously some of the rain that we had has has really helped out. Uh, not that long ago, the river at Guttenberg, Iowa, um, mm-hmm. spot that I watch pretty regularly, is was down around three, uh, three and a half foot, something like that. Now, uh, today, as we speak, it is cresting, cresting at 9.33. So a significant, 
a significant improvement. But from here, it's expected to go back down. Hmm. So okay, uh, so we're gonna need need some hefty snowpack for sure up up north and probably all along the river. Yeah, well, is that where you we're know, landing? We had, we had that last year, and it turned. We went from exceptionally <laughs> low water in the fall of twenty two mm-hmm. to the third highest crest on record this this past April to the the reduced to, uh, reduced loads and some really tough travel conditions for those tugboat and the barge operators mm-hmm. uh, in the in this this summer. I mean, it fluctuates so much. It's not like we need snowpack and that'll fix the problem because it didn't. We, mm-hmm. We've proven that. Yeah. What we need is something a little more consistent on rainfall. Um, mm. The one-time big events don't cure this problem. Yeah. You've got to have consistency in the supply of water coming into those inland waterways to make sure that they're going to have enough to uh, to get the job done. To mm-hmm. get the job done. So, yep. Yep. snowpack hey, the hole help, in the ozone. But you uh, got to have rain after that. The hole in the ozone uh, reached its maximum size at 10 million square miles on September 21st. That's the 16th largest since 1979. How do you like them apples? The 16th largest. You don't hear about that hole in the ozone much anymore. Global no. warming kind of stole its no, that's thunder. Right. Hey, thanks for listening this morning. We're going back to the University of Minnesota this afternoon for a conversation with Ed Usit. Uh, tomorrow morning, I'm going to be out of the studio. Davis will take the reins of the free-for-all right here on Agritalk.